So here's my biggest criticism. Uh, this movie takes place on fucking Christmas Eve. How is it not a Christmas movie? Well, I've got. Thank I've you. Got, I've got Thank you. It's a, they're at a Christmas party. Yeah, on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. And what boss has a birthday party? Uh, <laughs> I can't. Clearly, cannot. I'm drunk. Yeah. How does a boss have a Christmas party on Christmas freaking Eve? How do you take everyone away from their family on Christmas Eve? Because a lot of those people right there are making. 20%. Or 20%. <laughs> They're going to be sitting, sitting on the beach pretty soon. 20%. 20%. Well, hey, and welcome to another podcast. Uh, 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 uh. Sean, There's what's your thing. end goal in life? My goal? Yeah. Sitting on a beach. Sitting on a beach earning 20%. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sitting on a beach earning 20%. Welcome to the party, pal. Gentlemen, raise your Nakatomi Towers cocktails. <laughs> Yippee Kaye. No fucker. <laughs> I was gonna say to the next Welcome step. to another <laughs> To the next step. <laughs> to the next step. <laughs> what is that from? That's the greatest movie ever. <laughs> Point break? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Oh man. That was American Pop. I wanna be sitting on a beach earning twenty percent. Hey, hey, and welcome to Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of movies from our private collections, and a guest who tries desperately to keep up. We'll let you decide which host is which, but for now, my I'm name is guest. Sean, and with me are my <laughs> co-hosts, Jeremiah. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Eddie. Yeah, I'm still here. And tonight, Brandon. I am an FBI agent. Wait, wait, wait. No. <laughs> Wrong poorly acted action movie. Uh, oh, sorry uh, about that. Uh, guys, Brandon. Uh, Damn you, Brandon. <laughs> With every review, we tell you how many drinks it takes to get through each movie selection. At the end of the podcast, we'll rate the movie based on a scale of zero to five. Zero is a perfect film. You can watch Stone Cold Sober. And five is a terrible film. You must be blackout drunk to enjoy. In addition to our review, we pair our selection with a cocktail that we hope will enhance the viewing experience. We invite you now to shake, stir, or mix the cocktail that we've chosen and settle in for what we hope will be an engaging review. For legal reasons, we don't condone or encourage anyone under the age of 21 to drink along with us. And of course, because we live in a ridiculous society where people are stupid. Stupid. Take a breath, so man. Stupid. We must ask you please not to drink and drive if you're listening to us in the car. Especially if it's a cop car being crushed by a body. See what he, I did there? He should have been dead. I did see what I did there. How do you survive? Brandon, what movie do we have this evening? Well, tonight we have the 1988 Christmas action film Die Hard. That's right. It's the a first right one. Christmas movie. <laughs> Thank you. I'll talk about that in a minute. The film follows New York City policeman John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, who is visiting his estranged wife, Bonnie Bedelia. Wasn't he a detective? Um, I think in this one he was a, just a police. A poli- he was just a policeman. Oh. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is this now? Arnold? I don't know. I think he was a and uh, he's also visiting his two daughters on Christmas Eve, who they're basically seen forever. I think, I think it was a son and a daughter, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. The script Kids, I got, yeah. Sean, says two daughters. Anyway, he joins her, meaning Bonnie Bedelia, who is his estranged wife at all. This is not. Okay. This, uh, wait. He. <laughs> Keep this this is a Wikipedia here. Wikipedia. Uh, he joins her, meaning his wife, at a holiday party in the headquarters of the Japanese-owned business that she works for. But the festivities are interrupted by a group of terrorists, even though they're not technically terrorists, they're just, just thieves, going. who yeah, take over the exclusive high-rise and everyone in it. Very soon, McLean realizes that there's no one to save the hostages but him. Oh, and the film stars Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. Hello. 
Alan Rickman. Eddie, take us through the cocktail. As we mentioned with each movie, we try to pair the tone, feel, and overall impact of the story of a cocktail. <laughs> For instance, when we watch a Bond movie, we pair it with a vodka martini, shaken, not stirred, with a lemon pill. Sometimes the drink will be referenced directly in the film, and other times the drink will simply be inspired by the film. This is the, Tonight, this is sexy since voice, Sean honey. is the one who suggested the film, he's in charge of the cocktail. I meant since Jeremiah is in charge of the film, he's in charge of the cocktail. Call 1-900 and you can talk to Eddie. Eddie. This makes sexy, my voice sound so much better, so I'm going to talk like this voice. all night. He's, Jeremiah, <laughs> what do we have for our cocktail? Tonight's pairing is the Nakatomi Tower Cocktail. Honestly, there isn't much to say other than Are you trying to do this Alan is a tower. <laughs> I wouldn't mind swinging from the fire hose <laughs> while <laughs> sipping the cocktail, only to shoot Hans Gruber, not Huber. Is that auto correction? Yeah. <laughs> Watching him slow motion fall out of a building. Can we please Thank you. These? To make this drink, excuse me, I wrote this 30 <laughs> seconds ago. To make this drink, you'll need. Apricots, mm. sake, grapefruit juice, what? simple syrup, mm. and lemonade. lemonade. Please yes. visit our Instagram page at the gentleman. Dang it, I do it every time. At the dot gentleman podcast, where you can see our past drinks. And what, what are you guys laughing about over there? Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. The, these drinks sounds amazing. I know, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> Hold on, let me try it. Let me try anyway, it. Visit our Instagram where we share Ooh, a photo of each drink that we make. Brandon, please tell us a little bit about our review. Okay, so to give you guys a little background on our selection process for this first season, we're going to be reviewing movies that are important to each one of us. These are the movies that we feel have, in some ways, shaped how stories have been told throughout time, and even how they're going to be told in the future on screen. So we won't be talking about the movie straight through. <laughs> instead, we'll, still, instead, we will let our conversations flow naturally. That said, we'll be touching on different film aspects, including plot, characters, direction, music, cinematography, and anything else that might come up. So we have a drinking game every time you pronounce the word cinematography. So with an M and before the end. <laughs> yeah. So I love I you so much. You got me, me so drunk. Every time. It's, I love it. It's it, how I flow it, yo. It makes me laugh. Cinematographically, it's, it's awesome. I honestly don't see a fault with it either. I, I, I think it's cool. I think, it, I think you say it perfectly. I think, it I think it's cool. God damn it. I love Brian Cox. <laughs> All right. So one of the first things that we need to address is the uh, 9,000 pound elephant in the room. This is a freaking Christmas movie. Absolutely. So yes, I agree. Here's what I have. Uh, in case you guys didn't Christmas know. Christmas Eve party. I'm a diehard virgin. This is the first time I've ever seen Die Hard. No way. Yep. Oh my and uh, I said, How is that possible? I didn't know that. I one of my people very... like you in different dorms. Um, they did. <laughs> uh, anyway, one of the first notes I wrote was, Oh, it is a Christmas movie. Uh -huh. So I agree with you guys. Okay. You. I, do. I do. I do. Man, it is 100%. So we watched it with Kim, and Kim was like, This isn't a Christmas movie. And I'm like, It takes place it takes on, on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve at a Christmas party. Every year, my coworker. At work, he does a vote at my work. Mm -hmm. You know, and he pretty much the vote is okay. Who votes that this is a Christmas movie and who doesn't? And it always comes out even. Does he wait? How does is it coming out even? Because he asks the same people every no. year. You no, guys no, need no. to hire somebody new and have an odd number yeah. of no. workers. <laughs> no, no, I'm just telling you. Or at like, least you abstain. Randomly, it, we, we always hire new people every year, and somehow it just still comes out even. It's like, what the hell? Are we asking not enough people? But it's just like still, there's about forty percent to. 45% people thinking that this is not a Christmas. Well, they're wrong. So here's a little <laughs> anecdotal story. Oh, cool. My grandmother, 
uh, my grandfather passed away in 2005. Christmas of 2005, uh, we brought her over to the house. She was, you know, still a little sad. And we said, can we put on a Christmas movie for you? And she goes, die hard. Thank you. At 78 years old. What so you know what? Badass grandma. I'm sorry. She, she was wanted right. Can I bring Willis. up the, uh, the other elephant? Yeah. Because surprisingly, sure. there's a small room, but there's two yeah. elephants over here. How do you die hard as opposed to die light? First of all, it's not about dying hard, or it's not about dying light. It's dying hard or dying slow. I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. No, either. I was I was going with you on that. I'm like, yeah, you die See, hard. How do you, you die hard? Like with conviction. So no. you go hard or, or you, you go, go slow. Home. Oh, okay, slow. No, no like, wait. Like, so like the guy who speed. got dropped on the police car. Speed. Oh, Jan de Bont. Yeah. Um. Anyway, who is actually? I know the cinematography. The cinematography of this film. There we go. Got it. <laughs> What were you gonna say, okay. Brandon? Director photography. Let's, let's get let's get okay. going here. Anyway, it's Christmas Eve, and John McClane arrives in Los Angeles to attend a Christmas party at Nakatomi Tower. Okay, we've already established it's a Christmas movie. We don't Christmas have to. Okay, movie. well we got you. We don't need to. No, harp there are on people, it. and even Bruce Willis at his row said it wasn't a Christmas movie. Clearly, he didn't read the script. Well, I mean that's why Edward Norton <laughs> had his day with him. <laughs> anyway, okay, so, so go ahead. <laughs> Go. Apparently, we're the same people. I I don't think we are. After I talk about this movie, so <laughs> five months. Anyway, so here's the thing that um I, I just want to well, go before ahead. you start with oh that. Oh my god. Okay. So did you know that Die Hard wasn't originally named Die Hard? What was it named? Nothing bit... lasts forever was the name of the book. Isn't that like a James Bond movie? And that they didn't want be. to name that, so they decided with the great name Die Hard. And then the second one, with Die Harder. Bit, die Harder. <laughs> the, no, no, that was Die Hard Two. Die Harder. The third one was Die Hard with the Vengeance. With the Vengeance. And then it was Live Free, Die Hard. Die Hard Another Day. Die Hard, I'm 90 years old, still making Die Hard. Can we go ahead? This is a perfect segue. And it's not, this was completely unintentional. But thank you for setting this ball on the tee for me to hit. How in the fucking name of hell does this movie have a sequel? No, it has six sequels. Exactly. It is literally. Don't say it. No, oh, come on. Oh, I'm going to be on that dude. side. I think how it's a three, be, three versus one on this by, one. Even like when they do this whole thing, like they, it paved the way for so many action films. No. The, yes, it did. No. Every oh, time, for poorly acted not action even, films. Yo, I see dude, what you're saying. You Bruce really, Willis was lit. Okay, here's wait, the thing. Are you suggesting that Alan Rickman was anything but stellar? Oh, not Alan Rickman, but I wanted more Alan Rickman. I wanted Hans. I wanted, no, he wasn't. Here's I the thing. He was actually, because really, Bruce Willis was. So I think. So listen, I think, and hear me out on this one for a second. I think that Bruce Willis has turned into a really pretty good actor. Go, I mean, look at him in Sixth Sense. Look at him in, I mean, the kid with Ty, with Tyler Breslin and Die Hard, exactly. Yeah. No, so here, uh, here's Spencer Breslin. My gosh, but what I'm saying is, I've never seen, I've never seen a more overacted thing. And I always thought it was because I, I always saw like snippets of this movie on TV edited. And I was just like, oh, the editing's got awful. No, it's the acting originally. No. That's got awful. Correct. So, I did disagree so with that. Oh, my one gosh. Of the characters, one of the characters that I want to point out at the beginning is is the character of Argyle who takes him from LAX <sighs> to uh, the, the Nakatomi Tower. Oh, the Nakatomi wasted Tower. character. You're right. And he was, I think, a sh- one of the shining parts of this movie. He's he was good. absolutely fantastic. And one of the things that I think, looking back on this movie, that I was worried about, is would it be like a stereotypical because it was the 80s, you know, Los Angeles? Would it be a. St- I think he was a throwaway character. Nah, I don't think he was a throwaway character because he was the character. Did we do it with just us three? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll be the half today. 
bring it on, Big Lebowski. That's I all really I'm saying. think, like, seriously, this movie paid the way for a lot because a lot of movies in the '90s and 2000s they actually describe like you know, hey, you're watching Speed, it's Die Hard on the bus. Hey, you're watching <laughs> Con Air, it's Die Hard on, on an plane. airplane. Hey, you're watching The Rock, it's Die Hard on Alcatraz. <laughs> you know, okay, okay, the way. You know, you know I'm going to shut up for a second, but I'm also going to talk and say, so, you know what? That was that might be a game changer for my my vote because right. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right that. If we're looking at the quality of the film, and I'm not getting to my review yet, but if we're looking at the quality of the film, I think that it is lacking when it gets to Bruce Willis's character. I think that his character is just eh. But I think if we look at the bad guys, you, you mentioned The Rock, which is one of my just go-to action movies. Why? Ed Harris is badass. And he has the same kind of like screen draw to him that I think that Alan Rickman has. Not as much. But at the same time, I, I see what you're saying with this is a diehard, which is this is a, a terrorist, quote unquote, situation. Well, that one single, ter- I'm, I'm, who said we're one, terrorists? No, I'm going to back up. But I'm one single person, that. though, is is having to solve the issue. Right. With. I guess that. I, so I get that. I'm going to back up for a minute yeah. and say that I think this movie is not, is not necessarily terrorist driven. If you look at movies like The Towering Inferno from, I think, 75, 77. Yeah, exactly. um, The Poseidon Adventure. You have situations where your story is confined to an area. It's confined to the building, Nakatomi Tower. If you look at uh, Die Hard 2, it's confined to an airport. Mm -hmm. If you look at Speed, it's confined to a bus. Mm -hmm. If you look at The Rock, it's confined to Alcatraz. All of these stories are, are man against man in a confined location. And I think... I think this movie does it better than most stories exactly. where it pits the... You think you know John McClane's kind of a boring character or, or not a great character. He's not supposed to be interesting. He's supposed to be a, a, a flat-foot beat cop exactly. who comes in yeah. and saves the day. I think it's not the character. It's, it's honestly... it's <laughs> That's true. Um, no, it, to me, it was, it was this one was hurt by Bruce Willis's acting. And okay, so yeah. throw throw away Bruce Willis's acting for a minute, and just look at the movie as as an impact. If we do that, okay, on, on cinema, <laughs> then I have a different opinion okay. of the movie. And no, yeah. and, and no, but can, I do. I'm not saying change. No, your no, but I do. Saying, I remember this. Bruce no, but Willis I do. was like not even the third choice. I mean, right. he was no, he like, was like way was down the, the line, the yeah. bottom pick. My problem is that he was the end choice, you know. And I see what you guys are saying for sure. I would argue though that without Die Hard, you don't get some of his better performances either. Because agreed. Well, he had the, the he had the opportunity. And, I mean, after if this. we looked at Point Break, and I don't mean to bring it up for that ser- that that point, but it was Keanu it Reeves did the die same hard thing with Keanu. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, but, but Keanu Reeves was terrible in that, and he's turned into a very and good it paved actor. that movie paved right. the role the paved the way for him I too. Like, yeah, I enjoyed this movie primarily because it was a story that was very of its own. Like it, it was it was it seemed it, fresh and new. It seemed fresh and new, and look at the year nineteen eighty eight. What are the stories you have? I mean, like, you have Big. It was a good year that year for 1980. I think Die Hard put that year on the map with Big and, like, uh, Bor- Bull Durham. Bull Rain- Durham? Yeah, Bo- <laughs> my bad. Uh, Coming to America, Beetlejuice, oh, and Rain Man. Uh, you know, I mean, there was a lot of movies that year, but I feel like Die Hard is above all of those movies. There's also Eight Men Out and what other ones? Uh, Young Guns, my favorite, one of my favorite. <laughs> you don't like Eight Men Out? No, I don't like Die Hard that much. <laughs> Die Hard is up there with right, Big. Oh, okay, no, I wanna, okay, about, I want to talk about it. I want to talk, about, talk it. about the plot a little yeah. bit and, and, and yeah, progress yeah. on. So we've got Bonnie Bedelia, who I, I don't know if anyone has seen the show Parenthood, but she is yes, fantastic. fantastic. She's a fantastic yeah, actress. I really I I love her. her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got Alan Rickman, who once again, I mean, I cannot say enough about mm. Alan Rickman. I think he's one of the greatest actors uh, of of all time. I, was this his first feature? First feature film, and I feel honored to have been part of. These last uh, two, uh, yeah, with Alan with Rickman. Alan Rickman. I, I will happily uh, Alan Rickman fan club. Uh, do we have another moment of silence? Uh, I think we do. 
Pour some out for the homie. Pour some out for the homie. Rickman, he changed life. I don't understand how he's an NYPD officer. You can't just get that job. And then she lives over in Los Angeles. No, no. So they they lived in New York. She got a job with Nakitomi Corporation. She moved her and the kids to Los Angeles. Couldn't pass it he up. was still working as an NYPD detective and went to visit them, trying to patch up their relationship for... Uh, kind of a dick move by her. No, well, okay, so one of the things that I think the movie did well was it showed uh, in a relationship how the woman did the the woman was her own individual worker exactly she, she went she had a very good job she had a very beautiful office she was just as if not more successful than him and it created kind of a, a i think a lot of tension in a that little tough situation yeah yeah because when he actually goes into they first meet each other in in holly's office and whatnot you can tell that there's like this love here but then you see like this argument, you know. Well, and she used her maiden name. She yeah. used Gennaro instead of McLean. And really yeah. a good a, a good addition, I think, to the story because that really kind of drew, drew in some of the attention. Um, and I think we probably all saw the same trivia. But one of the things that I loved reading was that for Bruce Willis, when he finally figured out the character, was when he figured out that the whole story for him is simply being able to apologize to her. Um, and to me, that that kind of did shore up his character, not the acting, but the character for sure. It, it, and it does create kind of a deeper undertone of the movie of he's not just trying to save everyone in uh, Nakatomi Tower. It's almost like he's trying to prove to her that she, that he is just as valuable in the marriage as she is. Exactly. And I think that adds something to it. I think John McClane as a character is probably he's boring. He's an everyman. He's just, he's not interesting. He's not, he's not particularly strong. He's not particularly a good cop. He's just kind of there. He's it's just a prototype against what, what the, all the eighties actors were like, you know, the muscle bound Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Sylvester Stallone. He's, a, he's, a, he's an asshole. He's a schmuck. But you know what you think about it? But isn't but that heart? But isn't that those, the, the character though, that you're talking about isn't, um, you know, Kindergarten Cop isn't about, you know, a dummy. I mean, th- these action heroes that we look at, Rambo, they're not smart characters. He's not a smart character. To me, he just becomes prototypical. It's not a, It's not about his intelligence. It's about the, it's, it's, I think it's more about physicality. He's not this muscle-bound action star that we've come to know from the 70s and 80s. It's almost like it's a new version of a character that, it's he's put in a situation where he literally is making it up as he goes. Like when you watch something like, uh, give me a, give me a, give me a movie, Terminator or no. Rambo, uh, Predator. Rambo. Okay, so Rambo is a, is a probably a good, or Predator is a good example. They have plans. They have training. They go into the jungle. They have like a thousand like right. different weapons. I don't to feel use. like John McClane knew what he was going to do the next minute. Much less have a a grand yes. plan. Somehow he ends up with the with no shoes on, which was right. Well, dope. make fists with your toes on the carpet, yeah, to to get rid of jet lag. Which okay, I, I'm just gonna say this. I don't know. Maybe that was an '80s thing. Jet you know? lag is a bullshit thing. I don't know about that. Anyway, <clears throat> so as we uh, as we kind of go through the the plot, uh, the terrorists or or Hans Gruber's group comes in the thieves, the thieves to take uh, to take. Take basically bear bonds, bear, bear bonds, uh, $640 million in bear bonds out of this tower, out of the vault. Um, and one of the things that I think is really important to, to note is that he used fear and the threat of terrorism as sort of a 
smoke and mirrors for his actual plan. Well, isn't is isn't terrorism just creating terror within a person? So I mean, they're terrorists. But I think there was an element of foreign to the terrorists. Like so he, there's a purpose like, to for it. The, is what yeah, you're saying. like like well, it was ideological. I think that's <laughs> kind of more terrorism versus. Mm-hmm. If you're just breaking into a place and holding hostages, that doesn't make you a terrorist. If you're doing it for an ideological purpose, I think that is more of a terrorist. So, and I could be completely wrong. Yeah, no, wrong, I get but- it. So let me ask you this question, because this to me is is what I kind of was thinking as the movie progressed and I'm watching it. And again, watching it for the first time, so maybe I'll get a different opinion when I see it again, if I see it again, is um, do you think that Hans Gruber and, and his group, at least not his group, but he wanted it to play out the way it did? I think that like he, literally he wanted Nakatomi to not uh, to give him the code. He wanted to have the cops be brought in because almost, you know, when, whenever um, the guy who was drilling, I can't remember his name, but the guy who was drilling in, in the vault is saying, you know, we got this happening, this happening. And, and, and Hans is just sitting back going, you know what? This is totally fine. We're going to be fine. This is this is playing it out. I think he had plan A. And and it went to plan so it was just B. That, that okay. It went to plan B, but the the plan was always to have the cops and the FBI and everything like that involved with the situation. So you do think it was that? It was an actual an amazing plan. Not not supporting it, but it was an amazing plan when you think about no, it. No, and, and if it wasn't for that pesky uh, detective from New York, he would have gotten away <laughs> exactly. with it. Well, the other thing okay is when Hans walks into the 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 thirtieth floor, right? Like usually when the elevator opens, you turn around and you can't kind of like see who walks in. They were right behind like random guests and no one turned around. Well, like, they're in the middle of a party too. Everyone's drunk, drinking. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. give a care. And doing yeah. cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine, hooking up in people's <laughs> office. You're going to fucking turn around and see somebody, 12 people watching. You're going to notice. You got to think about it. Everyone AKs. keeps coming in. No. Maybe they're strippers. So I'm not, I'm not trying to change your mind, Brandon, but I, I do want you to take a, a real good look at the villain of Hans Gruber because if, if you look at villains as a whole, I think he is probably one of the greatest villains of all time. He was sympathetic. He was nice, but also incredibly vicious and mean. I think he was, but I think that his henchmen were so stereotypical that we almost forget it. Carl? Carl. <laughs> Carl. He was... Oh, listen, everybody around Hans, everybody around Alan Rickman, was a stereotypical 80s bad guy. Long blonde hair. I, I was ke- I kept waiting for Harrison Ford to show up and be like, oh, I'm Blade Runner, and just <laughs> running on through. And I mean, it was just, it was too much. And maybe Carl's it was just... That his brother died. I know. And so Carl's mad that his brother no, okay, died. Let's go. Let's jump ahead. What there. would you do? No, let, let me tell you what I wouldn't do. Let me tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't get into a fist fight after I have a gun on the guy that just killed my brother. I wouldn't start, drop the gun and then go have a fist fight and then lose. That's what I wouldn't do. Well, he thought he was, he thought he was better than he was. Yeah, what are you talking about? Fist fight, you know? He knocked the gun out of his hand. <laughs> I have right here, literally right here. This is my notes, quote unquote. No, that's, that's the Brian Cox part. Okay. Um, like Carl wouldn't kill him immediately. Fight equals really? Question mark? Question mark? And that's to me how I looked at it. It's just like this is so cliche. It's, and maybe okay, maybe so this is not part of cliche. Why maybe this cliche, is the original. Part of why you think it's cliche is because this is the start of all the things that became cliche. Maybe, this maybe is the that's first what it is. time on film that you had in. You know, uh, a less than muscle bound military trained hero saved the day. And yeah, I think, the, yeah, the drunk detective who's barely hanging on to yeah. his marriage, <laughs> right. who doesn't know why Thinning he's even hair. at the party. And Sergeant and Al Powell down on the ground, which nobody listens to. He, but Pointlessly, he even, he even says that when to. he's going through the the tunnels. He's like, I'm just trying to hear a freaking party have here. Have a few laughs. Yeah. <laughs> have a few laughs. But you're right about Alan Rickman. This is probably, I have to say, one of the top 10, maybe 15 villains of all time in motion picture cinema. Even like AFI is ranked as one of the top villains of, of, of cinema history. I mean, he, he's smart. 
He's dangerous. He's witty. You know, he's having fashion talks with you know with uh, George Scotty and everything yeah. like that. You know, but like, you, you know what he isn't really German sounding. No, and that his, was not at all. His accent bothered me. The thing well, is, that's just Alan Rickman. No, I know he was just Alan Rickman. Was just Alan and then all of a sudden he threw is, in like a little gem, and and that it's just like that's not enough. I watch. I usually watch movies with subtitles and things like that because I just like to read it more. And when I'm listening, you, he actually does a few different accents. He does. French. He's talking to French. He's talking to German. You know, he does a horrible American accent and whatnot. But oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> thank God, McLean saw through that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just thank God. It sounds yeah, just like Alan Rickman. Sound like we know with um with Hans Gruber. He looks at Americans as oh, you're just this you know typical Bunch John ways. You know, pretty much watching TV as American culture. He thinks John McLean is stupid. I'm smarter than you. Can we just say something about his slow pronunciation of words? Because when he says like F B I I, and it's like the way he, once again, it goes back to his villainous uh, tendencies or the, the way that he is a villain. Everything is calculated. I feel like everything is thought through. Like you said, he has plan A. I think he has plan A, B, C, D, E. I think he had a plan to fuck his whole crew over oh, and get out of that. it himself. I believe that. Well, I saw that movie. Well, it instantly, no, Batman. When he got caught down the. I'm, I'm skipping kind of down the road, That's but when game. he got caught by John McClane uh-huh, on the roof, and all of a sudden, looking no, for the detonators before that, and he's and remember he's like, <laughs> oh, as as Clay, as yeah, Bill as, Clay, yeah, and he, and he was Bill able to prove it to John McClane. To give him the handgun to help him out. Yeah, but John McClane saw through it, and, and the handgun was empty. But kind of, but like overall, like <laughs> it, overall though, he was he had stuff like I mean Hans yeah. had like good backup plans to right. backup plans. So he, he was, was good, and he thought on his feet quickly. Yeah, I liked it. It was yeah. really cool. So let's talk a little bit about Ellis as a character, and uh, so we have we kind of have I'll set it up a little bit. We've got John McClane who was not part of the hostage taking. Mm-hmm. He's off running around trying to, you know, save, save the, day. the day, steals a walkie-talkie, steals a gun. You can see that he has training as a police officer, but he's ill-equipped to handle um, the, the, the situation. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought was funny is that, you know, every guy he killed, he checked his feet, and he says, why did terrorists always have small feet? Because mm-hmm. he can't, yeah, I mean, that's a good line. I got to kill one with feet smaller than my, my sister. sister. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've got, uh, we've got him kind of running around, and we've got the interrogation by Hans of um, the leader of Nakatomi, the CEO of Nakatomi Enterprises. Uh, Mr. Really good scene. Mr. Oh, Nakatomi. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I, I called him Nakatomi earlier. No, I thought that to me was one of the very, very best scenes of the entire thing. Even though you see it coming, I mean, I knew it was coming. Of course. I thought that I thought that the uh, the actor who played uh, Takagi Takagi James Shigeta. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, but seriously, uh, I thought that that was a really, really well done scene. I thought it was intense. I thought it was suspenseful. I thought it was really well done. I thought the movie suffered after that. Okay. Well, one of the things that uh, I really appreciated was the pacing of the movie. So I felt like it never stopped. One of the things that I loved about like Terminator or Jaws is the villain never kept, never, never stopped pressing forward. And I feel like you had this once again, it's probably a, a, because you're trapped in a building and you're under the clock, but you had a good time frame that you had to be done by. So you had 
people making mistakes. You had the villains making mistakes because they were pressed for time and John McClane running out the clock. All he had to do was do just enough to stop their plan. And you see John McClane, like, you know, his first thing is like, hey, I need to be smart. I need to somehow get a hold of the police outside because I can't take care of this on my own. Right. So he pulls the fire alarm. They fix it. You know, and then he tries to do something else, right. and then he, and something else. Like you know, he's an underdog. He's an underdog of the story. You know, he, you're rooting for this guy to like trying to survive and get help. And I think what you're talking about, like you know, this pacing. When I, I think the score sets that up. I think the score is so good, actually. And I think it's so underrated in this movie. And it movie. was big and bold. It was kind and of surprising. And it had this Christmas themed vibe all yeah. the time. You know, <laughs> well, I did like the use of of. Um... What is it? Ode to Joy? Ode to Joy. Ode to Joy. I thought that was really, really a good job with pairing that with the bad guys. No, but we're talking about how, you know, the the bad guys maneuver. Um, I don't know if you guys all noticed the uh, the fun fact that I noticed <laughs> is that all these German terrorist people uh, are essentially stormtroopers and couldn't hit anything that they shot at. Yeah, horrible, horrible marksman. That, that rooftop shootout... <laughs> Where you have a lot four of flashes and not even close to McLean. He's yeah, like, oh my gosh, other side of the building. Have there you they actually go. ever shot a, a weapon, by the way? Yes, have I have. Because it's very difficult to win. I mean, technically, wind. it was a handgun. Yeah, but yes. wind and nerves and sweat and that hair in your face. I mean, oh, the blonde <laughs> hair. <laughs> When did the you do blonde uh, Swedish hair for those Germans? Um, <laughs> well, no, I, see, know, I was like, I don't think 11, that they, I don't think that his wow. Team, I don't think I his know, team was terrorists. Uh, excuse me. I don't think his team was German. I don't think his. I, I hope he not. was German. Okay. No, they had that one Huey Louie looking. You his know, name guy. was Uli. No, yeah. the, the 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 guy who sat yeah. in the front. The Huey Lewis looking guy. Yeah, the Huey Lewis looking guy. Yeah, I was thought he was searching for the power of love. Anyway, oh that guy. Yeah. So. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> so we've got Ellis who uh so they kill basically Takagi 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 yeah. Can we um, talk about Paul Gleason at some point? Who's Paul Gleason? He's a, a oh, deputy, he's the principal deputy from uh, Breakfast Dwayne. Club. Oh, the uh, the uh the, the principal from Breakfast Club. I've and then also William Atherton who literally played the same character he did in Ghostbusters. Anybody else notice that? Yeah. He's the uh, TV reporter. The TV reporter. Richard. Oh, yeah. Richard. Yeah. And he was a dick in both. Well. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! I gotta oh, yeah. rewatch these. I've never oh. seen the Breakfast Club. That's well, you need to watch that one. It's gonna be. We need to have a John Hughes like. No oh my gosh! But Ghostbusters is classic, classic movie. That's, and yeah. dang it, same character. Anyway, um, so we've got. We have to keep talking uh, about this one. Yeah, we gotta keep talking about Shoot. this movie. So one of the things that I think. Oh, God dang it! I do it every time. One of the um, things. Two of the things. Three of the things. Another thing that I appreciate was <laughs> the uh, the fact that he used the humor. This okay so. If you look at like modern Marvel movies, and one of the things that Marvel movie does way better than DC is they add humor into the situation. Agreed, yeah. And so this was the first time that you really saw them adding humor into this big action movie that wasn't. It was. It made the audience laugh, but it wasn't humorous. It wasn't funny. It wasn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, making weird noises going into a helicopter. He sent a guy down with a Santa hat with C four explosives. And now I have a machine yeah. gun. Ho yeah. ho ho. Oh. Oh, oh. Anyway, um, I thought I thought that was really cool. I thought I thought the way the way that there was a cat and mouse aspect to it was was positive. And he was trying to figure out getting more information about who is he actually dealing with. You know, he's writing information about who's Hans, so you can pass that information. You know, you're seeing this guy just kind of like you know as a scrappy person that you know one of those boxers that keeps getting beat and beat and beat, and he keeps coming back up. That's John McClane, right? And so we've got uh, Takagi has been killed, and we've got the confrontation with Ellis, which I thought for the longest time that Ellis was 
Dennis, Dennis Miller. Miller. And I remember the net. Anyone else remember the net? Oh, way back. Yeah, yeah. I remember that movie. Yeah. So it was Dennis Miller. And yeah. I thought it was the same guy. I was like, oh, I, 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 I've watched this movie 20 times. I think it was the last two times I was like, oh, that's, that's not, that's Dennis, not Miller. Dennis Miller. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Ellis as a character, uh, you know, Booby. I'm your white, white knight. knight. And it, one of the things, so in my line of work, I do terrible deal with the, acting. Oh, that's what you're talking about. I deal with a lot of salesmen and you say it's terrible acting. That is like the quintessential salesman thinking they have control of the situation, thinking they have things that they can bargain with. And basically Hans used Ellis as the bargaining. Chip. Oh, it's so great and how it, he was doing it too. You figured this out in 20 minutes. You all, know, you figured all this out yourself. <laughs> you know, I can give him to you. He's trying to outplay Gruber. Right. And Hans is like, I already know what I'm going to do with you. Yeah. And yeah. it's a perfect setup. Once again, Hans is playing four dimensional chess while everyone else is trying to figure checkers. out why. Yeah. 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 He's perfect. playing chess while they're playing checkers. Absolutely. What happens next is uh, he gets his head blown off. That's only one thing that happens next. I know. But let's see, and I, I don't know how else to phrase it. Like so one, one of the one things, of things that, that I think happens. this movie does well is that it hides the violence in cuts. So for, if we're looking from a cinematographic... Uh, cinematographically. 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 Um, the director and the cinematographer has used other objects to obscure the actual violence. And like, I think that's really kind of interesting and cool. Well, nowadays it seems like you have to see the gore, you have to like feel yeah, it, I agree. And spray it on the camera. Now there are in this one, in this film, and in a lot of films from the eighties and nineties, I feel like they use the camera to hide a lot of the violence. a lot of sounds too. Yes, like him stepping on the glass. Okay, can we talk about that scene? It's probably jumping ahead. But no, go ahead. My gosh, that scene was the hardest one to watch. Which one? When he's walking across the glass? When, well, when he's pulling the glass out. To me, that just <laughs> that reminded me of another movie, which, Sean, I know I bring up a lot, but um, you need to see it. Uh, it's No Country for Old Men, when he's doing his own surgery on his leg. Don't I remember that from the, from the movie? Oh, yeah. So yeah. To yes, me, yes. That, that, I had the same squirming feeling of watching that as I did with watching. So you enjoyed watching. it? I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. I mean, well, a minute and a half of squirming, not enjoying. Did you enjoy it? Yes or no? No. No, I didn't. I did not. You got it. That set that scene before Oh, but it's a that, great, you know? it's a great scene. I mean, it's just Cinematographically. Like, no, it's just like, it's so intense. You know, he figured out that, that, you know, Hans Gruber is Bill Clay and he thinks he's got the upper hand and then he gets away and it's just this, this crazy shootout thing. People are just getting blasted everywhere. You see kneecaps getting, people falling on glasses. It's a great shootout. You know, it's a great shootout. And then you see like Hans Gruber, like, you know, seeing like, hey, he's barefoot or he's barefeeted. He's barefeet. Barefoot. And he says it in uh, German, yeah. uh, you know, shoot the glass. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just, it's tension, it's suspense, you know, and you're just like, oh man, this guy's, he's not going to make it. And somehow he still makes it. He's the underdog that you keep rooting for. And one of the things, Brandon, I don't mean to try to influence your score. Talk to, like you have to realize that this movie is about setting up a genre of action. You're not an action movie guy. No, true. It's not your thing. True that. But you have to understand that this these type of movies, for the vast majority of people, are way more enjoyable than No Country for Old Men or or Inception or not saying that those aren't great movies. I'm saying that this is not a thinker. This no. is a oh, I'm gonna see a guy fuck some shit up. And well, I think it's I think it's interesting though, you know you bring it up and I think that it's really interesting um how you said this movie is really about setting up a genre. Um and that's good because I honestly thought that this movie was about a guy who props doors open with various ob- objects. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anybody else know chair. that he chair, a, a gun, container. yeah. I mean, I've never. I mean, like, I know what to do now if I if I'm stuck and I need to keep that that elevator door well, open. I watch the show Grey's Anatomy as uh, as does your wife. She does, yes. And I feel like I could I could perform a tracheotomy. Well, I mean, very simple. Listen, now after I can, watching Die Hard, I could scale I an elevator. Like I could, yeah, I feel like I could defend Nakatomi Tower well, from a group of. I could get terrorists. a crowbar and, and keep a door open. I'm well, just saying, I could do that. What I like about this is how I'm going to try to take it back to even a step further than that is how you're dealt with the charges you're given and it kind of makes you know this is what this is all i have to work with so it's like okay well shit i have no shoes well you know what i'm not gonna give up yeah and i I can't give up because a lot of people are depending on me you know like okay i have no gun but i have to just keep on pushing you know keep on pushing i'm not gonna give up so it's just like it kind of it plays a lot into that i mean it's it is cliche in a lot of areas but overall like it just shows you a little like you can still find humor in tough times you know, like that's what I feel like. That this movie had a lot of tough times. He was going through. It shows through. resilience. Yeah, it shows, exactly. It shows, it shows yeah. resilience and, to the and, human and, spirit. Yes, I love that. Brandon, see, it's deep. Oh, uh, <laughs> it is deep. It's how you look Go at it, Brandon. It, I mean, this is an eight point two on IMDb. So yes. just that you're right? in a minority. No, I know I am, and I literally <laughs> am so upset at maybe myself. You should watch it again because I think it's how you look at I it. I think maybe it might be, but maybe I'm not going. Well, to so as the plot progresses, you've got Gruber kind of getting his. His little pieces in a row. They've got it. They're trying to break into this vault, and they're all everything's kind of going to plan, even though it doesn't seem like it's going to plan. The only thing that they need is the detonators, and I believe Carl had the detonators. <laughs> if, if I heard of this fucking movie one more time, someone would say uh, the detonators. That I mean, Hans Gruber himself goes and searches for the detonators, and so I think it's in. I think it's important to kind of. This is you, you're talking about the MacGuffin uh, last week, right? We were talking mm-hmm. about MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of here too. Is they've used this this little thing, the C four detonators that um, uh, McLean has, as the only thing standing between himself and the the success or failure of the plan. And I love the fact that it that part, the whole situation, sets up the next part to see why was he so interested in this in the detonators, the C right. four. And then you see him like going up and knowing like, shit, he's doing something totally off key that we didn't even knew about. You know, he's trying to like, he he realizes that he has another plan to destroy the building. And then you see him like in a panic because he knows that his wife is in danger. The people are in danger. And then it sets up the last 40 minutes of the film. It just doesn't stop. It's it's like all the great movies that kind of came after and came before is is it's nonstop action of him trying to save the day but not having a plan and just reacting to things and i think that's why it makes this, this movie really stands the test of time is because he is clever but limited like eddie you were saying he he's dealing with the cards he's dealt and he's dealt like the worst hand in poker history I mean, who thinks of the idea of putting the gun behind your back and you tape it? Yeah. Like, come on, well, dude. Well, where like, do you get the duct tape? That kind of is the question. It's on the, the, the <laughs> desk. It's on the desk. And if you're like, like when he's like, seriously. Like, <laughs> we were, this, talking, we were this, doing Hocus Pocus. He's like, why is there a Zippo display? Because <laughs> he's got to light the black tape candle. It's like, why this is mo- there duct tape? But this movie made gonna... you think of like a little bit like almost like a Mac, Mac, uh, MacGyver. You yeah. Know, like, okay, I have this and this to work with. Let's, let's figure something out. Yeah. I like MacGruber. McGruber. Uh so John, one of the, yeah, so against this movie. I know, yes, I know. I really don't it, like this. It's okay. It's cool. So Gruber yeah. has set up this misdirection, which I, I think is a really cool element. That Who? Gruber? Not McGruber. I think it's a McGruber. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, what? Hans Gruber 
has set up this uh, this elaborate misdirection with the roof and with the explosives. And you're right. That's why the detonators are so important. And so you have him kind of still clinging to the, the outside edges of the plan, trying to get it done, while his men are deteriorating, deteriorating around him, getting killed around him. So, uh, yeah, they're on the roof. The ho- He brings some hostages up onto the roof, and he detonates the explosives, uh, destroying the roof and the FBI helicopter, and McLean barely uh, survives by jumping on a fire hose and swinging I down. love this scene because you're seeing this person just scare shitless. He's trying to find his wife. He sees like he's getting shot out by the FBI agent. He's trying to get out of danger, whatnot. He's saying what we're saying, like, why are you in this situation? How do I get fucked up into this situation? And he has no choice. This is seriously like you're watching a person just desperate to survive, and you believe it, man. See, and I feel like John McTiernan was like, how can I get him off the top of the building? A fire hose. That's so good. And, I mean, the imagery of this movie, like, I think that's actually on the – cover of the of the vhs when yeah. they're little it's in the like the building and he's is like exploding this. and he's like just coming off with the fire hose and for like, some <laughs> reason i always remember him like you know swinging from the fire hose and he's trying to shoot the window to get in and then he has another situation he has to deal with you know yeah it's it never very, stops it's, a, it's you know you said it like you know the tower inferno and this movie was inspired by the tower inferno when you think about it mm-hmm. and my grandfather always used to make me watch these old terrible movies and i appreciate them so much because because like uh, like the Poseidon Adventure, Gene Hackman. I don't know if anyone has ever it's seen it. Yeah. But it, it's basically the same kind of story: a group of people trying to find their way out of a boat that's capsized. And it's it's just interesting to me how cinema has evolved from very small stories with very small ideas to this major explosion story with this big bold villain. And, and but it's still believable. But this one is kind of just set apart from like the other movies that you saw in the 80s and 70s where, you know, you have a smart villain and you have a person that's not muscular and you have a person who's just an underdog person. The villain, it looks like he's actually has all the cards. Exactly. And this John McClane's this all he's just keep picking away. For sure. No, And Alan Rickman is the saving grace of this movie to me. I mean, 100 percent. I think you guys are are hitting it straight on that. That. Luckily, he was on screen as much as he was because you couldn't take your eyes off him. And he just embodied it, whether he had a German accent or not. He was intoxicating. He was. And you know what? He's got that suave quality about him, but he's also kind of ruthless and heartless. And we see that in the two murders that he he commits. Um, and didn't and think I about think it's great. No, not, not a thought about it. So I really like that. I, I think that um, something I know we're going to get to, but to me, one of the characters that we need to really kind of look at is the Sergeant Al Powell character mm-hmm. and why... I just want to know you guys' opinion. Why was he not believed? I mean, literally, he has a body thrown. And I know that he literally asked that, and the, and the cop, um, Paul Gleason's character, says, well, maybe it's just a depressed, you know, yeah, whatever jumped. jumped. I mean, like, okay, so why why are, why are is nobody believing so this guy? So part of it, I think, is the hierarchy of police officers mm-hmm. in the 80s. I also think there was probably, it was in Los Angeles, I think there was probably a racial element to it, even if it's not pronounced in the film. I think it's kind of understood yeah. that there is a, you know, uh, he's an African-American beat cop in a patrol car. It's 2 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve. He pulled the worst shift in the history of the world. And he uh, also does have and, a bad history, yeah, I guess. Exactly. 
exactly. And he's yeah. probably yeah. a terrible cop. Well, yeah, because he, he shot he, <laughs> he shot, shot the kid, kid, right? You know, yeah, and that's why he. I know. mean, I guess I get that, but to me, I was just like looking at it, going like, "Come on, somebody believe him," because there's there's. You but know. you also have the arrogance of the FBI agents, which are both yeah. named Agent Johnson Johnson Johnson, Johnson. <laughs> and one of them is uh, <laughs> one of them it was a James Bond villain in. Uh, Oh, Timothy Dalton movie. Yes, yeah, so his kill, name is, I, but he was also one of the villains from Goonies too. By the way, yeah, um, he was in Goonies, uh, and he's a, he's Why? a very uh, very good actor. I really like him. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Robert Davi. Uh, Robert Davi. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, a View to Kill or was it? Uh, uh, no, it was uh, License to Kill. License one's name is Bit Johnson. The other one's Little, Little Johnson. Johnson. Anyway, so you've got these characters, these FBI agents. They're arrogant. They're kind of not listening to anyone. And part of it, I think, is that they just want to blow something. I get the feeling they just want to blow something up. They're like, they're insane. You know, they think they're better than everyone. They're superior and whatnot. They have the right decision and whatnot. And Gruber. Plan A, Plan B, Plan C knew how the FBI was going to react and bet on him to open the vault to get the millions and millions and millions Very of dollars. Very Tyler Durden-ish, wasn't it? <laughs> Wouldn't you think it was? In that sense, it's probably a throw to one of the great films in the 90s. No, this didn't have any over-narration. You haven't watched any Joker, have you? haven't <laughs> there watched... Wasn't, there wasn't no. a single narrator <laughs> in this entire movie. Did you watch the Joker? No, I didn't. Not yet. No. But I know you guys uh, yeah, didn't enjoy it, so yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, so we get kind of to the climax of the film where it's the final uh, confrontation between... Hans Gruber, John McClane. Hans Gruber has taken Holly McClane or Holly Gennaro uh, as his hostage. And you've got this, I think, one of the greatest lines. So as you progress through this movie, Bruce Willis goes from reasonably dressed to just utterly fucked up. His body is bleeding. He's just destroyed. And he comes out into this limp. His his you know his feet are tied up because he's been stepping on glass. And he's got that. He delivers probably my one of my favorite lines in the movie was, Hi, honey. <laughs> I, I like it because it's the first time I think Holly recognizes his, her husband, like a person that she didn't recognize at the beginning of it, you know, to this person that's just a broken, shallow man, proving that he loves her to rescue her on this whole situation. And you see that. And you see in her face, like, <coughs> I don't know who you are, you know? Well, it was also because, like, she's probably never seen him at work. Yeah. You know, so he's at work here. This is his job. So he took it. He takes his job very seriously, I bet. You can see from the very beginning, like as soon as there's terrorists in the building, like he knew what to do. Like he was not going to say, I'm not standing for this. So for her scene on this end, it's like, oh, my God, like, okay, like he's gone to town tonight. Like I've been over here sitting down and like I thought my life was hard and this guy is my husband's been well, and to build on shot it, at. And, yeah. You know, to build on that, it kind of gets to the same thing we were talking about earlier where her whole strength comes from the fact that she's got this great job. She's moved the kids to Los Angeles. He's a New York cop. And it's almost like she looks down on him or disparages his job. And like you said, finally she realizes, Oh, you're like super cop. Like you're, you're, you're this, this is your job. Like you're, you're not just a, you know, you're not Sergeant Al Powell rolling around town eating With, Twinkies. Yeah. You're out doing things that are changing lives. And do you remember that scene where Carl is pissed off, you know, and he slams his gun everywhere and she looks at it and she goes, he's still alive. Yeah, that was right after. You no, mean, only only John. Make someone that crazy. Right. 
And I love that scene at the end because it feels like a Western showdown or something like that. You it know? really does. I mean, yeah, it, it does feel like the shootout at the OK Corral. Yeah. Like it's John McClane versus the villains. And he puts down his machine gun and he acts like he's going to give up. And then, like you said earlier, Eddie yep. pulls his gun from the tape on his back. We all pl- we all had that when we were kids. Oh, we all played yes, that. We 100%. all played Super Soakers we all and everything. Played John McClane in Die Hard. <laughs> Besides one person here. I did not even. <laughs> No, John McClane. Yeah, you're, the, you're the one that had it in your pocket. Let's talk about, though, the fact that I did enjoy The Last Action Hero in 1993. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great movie. What, six years after this one? Much better. <laughs> anyway, it's, so you Because got, it's also the same director, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's why I bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've got uh, the, the probably the most iconic scene from the movie, which is... The death scene? The death scene of Hans Gruber. It's amazing. Which... Uh, it's amazing. I think it's funny. So at the beginning of the movie, and, and this is just a screenwriter to me having fun, is you planted this idea that she was wearing this bracelet that was given to her by... by Ellis and maybe there was something going on with Ellis and that was what Hans Gruber after you know John McClane pulled his gun out and shot him was holding on to yeah exactly and it, it's there I, I don't mean to compare it but there's a movie uh, sent uh, super eight yeah yeah and uh, I kind of looked at it the same way they used his mom's locket oh, that's that right it's a great movie I, I really love, love that, that movie, movie dude but I kind of felt like it was the same type of thing where she had to let that go and cleanse herself of this new life she'd built in order to kind of move on. Love that. Love that. Ooh, and I love yeah. Alec Rickman's death scene because I had in my notes where I read something that they dropped him. You know, they were dropping him like 20 feet from my airbag and they will do it on three. Well, they drop him by two, you know, and when you see him, like they go set of three Ooh. and two, you see his general, like his reaction, like, <laughs> <laughs> like seriously it's such a great scene in slow motion and you see it from afar how it's a, such a great stunt you see this person falling all the way from the, the building and it's nuts and you know what how was that building Jeremiah? I used to work in that building actually wait yeah. you used to work in Nakatomi Tower yes, it, it's, it's <gasps> oh exactly God. exactly what you think I went to the garage I went to everything I used to, I used to put up you were up a hostage? no 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 but seriously I used to go like 30th floor and I remember going dude shit man if I have to jump out man I got no hose over here (laughs) John McClane already used them Uh, so um, after Gruber's death uh, everyone kind of comes back down Uh, McClane meets Sergeant Al Powell and Bonnie Bedelia uh, punches the uh, the the reporter in the face did you get that you know yeah uh, exploiting her children and uh, we have kind of what I think is a pretty nice end. Like, it wrapped up nicely. Except for the whole part that Carl survived and somehow he had his gun, which is like, I love this movie. Well, there's always one last jump I just scare. never got that part. And I still don't get a part of like, wow, he still has his gun and he's still going to like try to shoot everyone. But I then, don't get it either. <laughs> but you see, you know, uh, Officer Al, you know, to like, you know, raise his gun and actually take care of it. And yeah, it does end it. And he comes back way. in number two, Brandon. Please, you know, you know who the God, villain is in number no. two? Bonnie Bedelia, William Sadler. Oh God! <laughs> and number three, Valenti himself. We need to leave. This and, and number three is Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, which happens oh, to be on Gruber's Braza. I do know. Well, I would that. believe that. <coughs> oh, yeah, two badass. I do know how Powell shoots Carl with that. How he shoots that gun. It was just, that's a big gun. He's not holding it correctly. Well. This- <laughs> 
So let's just be real. <laughs> well, this is what got him Family Matters, I think. This is what they based his character on. Oh, I believe that. Oh, TGIF. Miss it. And that brings us to the end of review. Now it's time in the podcast. I mean, Urkel which... broke him. <laughs> I'm done with you, yo. Yeah, I believe it was Stefan. <laughs> that brings us to the end of review. Now it's time in the Jaleel? podcast where Jaleel each of the hosts provides a score on our scale zero to five. Eddie, can you take us through our scale? Well, yippee ki Motherfucker. <laughs> so zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a feel-good first cocktail. Two, a happy buzz. Three, you're in the Uber or lifting home. Four, a rough morning walk of shame. Five, you're going to blackout, shit-faced, spring break, drunk. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's start with Brandon, since she hates this movie anyways. <laughs> let's my... see this guy. Give oh. your score so we can fix it and put it where it should be on the list. <laughs> so listen, I think that it's, it needs it need be said. Need be said. Not my worst rating. Oh. Don't know how. <laughs> uh, Did we persuade you? No, and you know what? Point Break was not even my worst rating. It beat this one. No, let's just go ahead and go into this one. To me, I looked at this one, and maybe it's the fact that I don't like action movies, and maybe it's the fact that, for me, an action movie needs more than just action to survive. And I think that, Sean, you kind of mentioned that earlier. So it's just not my style. Um, I did go see uh, one of the very few action movies I've ever seen in theaters just a little bit ago, and that was Hobbs versus Shaw, or whatever it was. Um, and to be honest, I absolutely love that one because... Fuck you. Because it mixed... It was a human... It was a... Com- you know what? This is my minute, man. It's my minute. Fuck off. I'm sorry. Oh. Hobbs and Shaw is better than fucking Die Hard, I would bro. absolutely <laughs> say... The one Fast and Furious movie that... <laughs> 100%. And you know why? You know why that movie was? You know why that movie was though? Because it had something else besides just action. It had actual humor. It had, um, you know, it, it, no, no, no. It had something to laugh at. And this one didn't. I know you guys said that it's funny, but you know what? To me, dropping a dead body down with a, with a ho, ho, ho on it, not enough to save it. Okay? Not enough to save it. To me, this was action for action's sake. And unfortunately, I don't think that that's enough to sustain a movie, personally. I think that it needs drama. I think that it needs comedy. I need, think that it needs something besides just uh, action and just bullets. Uh, and I think that it needs a better actor in the main guy. Bruce Willis, I still love seeing him on screen, but I don't enjoy seeing him here because to me, he was just a cardboard cutout of, of this, this thing that could have been. Uh, and for that, I'm just going to stop uh, talking and just say I loved Alan Rickman, but unfortunately, this was not enough to save it. This was a four and a half for me. This is a rough morning walk of shame with an extra shot once I got my clothes. <laughs> so in that case, I'm going to take it over to Eddie. You're such a dick with that score. Okay, you, everything you said about that just made me want to just smack you in the smack face, smack you across your face, and say. But anyways, I say yippee ki yay, motherfucker. <laughs> so. Pretty much this movie, I feel like, is a staple of Bruce Willis in his, of all his movies. People, when you say Bruce Willis, you think of Die Hard. You don't think of no other movie besides this. Makes sense. You're the only one who thinks that. The kid. Uh, You're the only one who's seen that. Ocean's 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he played himself. Keep going, Eddie. So, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. But if you look actually at his movies, he doesn't really have a big movie until this Die Hard comes out. This puts him on the map. You know, after this movie, he goes into even like Die Hard 2. Let's not forget about look who's talking, the voice. He's the voice. He's Mikey. All right, Ed, you're stretching. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> I'm just saying, though, like this set, this movie did set, sets him up. He's a funny actor who can play an action role. There's not many 
actors that can play a comedy, you know, like in the same role. I feel like so I just I enjoyed it. I mean, like I personally like this movie a lot, and I feel like he he gives hope to the little guy a lot. And you know, nowadays you just don't see that. And I think that's because Brandon's tall, and uh, he, you know, I don't know. Same height, bro. Six, six, three, six, six. Okay, we're six. me and Eddie are both six, six. I feel like though this is a, a Christmas staple movie. Or come around Christmas time every year, you see this movie on TV, and it's one of those movies that just draws your attention. It draws your attention every time, no matter what. You have to see, it. even if you don't watch all of it, you're gonna watch at least when Hans falls out. The the one hundred percent. You're gonna watch that scene. Okay, certain scenes. Some of the quotes in this movie, people say it still to this day. Kids say this quotes without even knowing where it comes from. So it's like this movie has a. It, this was beginning of all action movies, and it was in the eighties. And if you if tell me if I'm Stop wrong, I'm talking to me and talk to the camera. I, there's no camera. There's no camera. We're not videoing this. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. You need a breath mint. Okay. <laughs> so honestly, I'm putting this movie because I have to. I, I am looking at the list, and I'm not going to judge off the list. So I'm going to try not to judge off the list. But I can honestly enjoy this movie with two and a half. Okay. 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 So By the way, I just need to interject something. I just checked my notes. This is my worst rated movie. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I'm okay. So two and a half, Ed. I know you have a two and a half. Jeremy, what do you? No one was asking you anymore, Brandon. (laughs) You gave your four and a half. I gave two and a half. So stop talking, please. Jeremiah, give it a one. I I agree with you, Eddie. I think Die Hard is the quintessential action movie of our time. It paved the way for other action films that came out in the 90s and 2000s. Like I was telling you, you've seen the premise of this type of movie in describing other action films like it's Die Hard on a Boat, it's Die Hard on a Bus, it's, it's Hobbs and Shaw, it's Die, Die Hard, Hard on a Alcatraz. I it, wish. <laughs> I think Die Hard is a simple, crafted will action movie, and I think it still holds up as one of the best. It launched both Bruce Willis and Ella Rickman to stardom, uh, a hero that's average, an everyday person, and a villain that's smart, likable, and dangerous altogether. I think Die Hard is awesome and still so enjoyable. And uh, yes, it is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. I'm not going to lie. So you know what? It's a feel give a drink with an extra shot. It's a, it's a one and a half for me. No. Yes. yes. No. Yes. I believe so. Oh, my God. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Oh, my God. <laughs> I need an adios, motherfucker, for that one. Jesus. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> oh, don't play the play. Don't play the m- number game. I didn't play anything. You were bro. playing the number game. I didn't you got play the calculator out. Oh, no, vote. Sean is changing his vote so, based off of the, the list. Die God Hard for me is probably the best example of a pure action movie that you can get without getting. Uh, where, where they became. They became kind of over the top and crazy. I think this wasn't over the top. I think it, it was a great story about a, a everyday hero fighting against terrorists. And you had one of the best villains of all time. You had a great score. You had a great question mark, question mark, great. 100%. You had a really, really, really great uh, <laughs> cast of characters trying to... Uh, really just I, I love the confining nature trying to trying to save all the the hostages it was just I thought it was a fantastically simple yet uh, deep plot exactly and uh, okay I, I can I can acquiesce the fact that Bruce Willis was not the best acted role of his career I get that I I, I really do but I thought Alan Rickman was a 10 I thought it may be an 11 on a scale of one to right, ten, right? Like he definitely made the movie. Like yeah, he, he was fantastic, and I thought that you had uh, you had kind of a really unique approach to action films. So for that, I think and and its lasting impact. I mean, I watch this movie literally every year at Christmas. Uh, I think that it's a one. 
I think it's a feel-good first cocktail. Oh, oh my god! Shit! Oh my god! I Holy think, shit! I think that this movie is already thirty years old. It's already thirty years old, and it's still an eight point two on IMDb. It's still a hugely impactful movie in 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 Western culture. I think that. I, I mean, I really do, and I, I think it fits. I think it's going to be probably on the bottom of our scale, but it I think beats The Hangover. As long as it beats Point Break, I'm happy. I'm what the with fuck? That. <laughs> I so agree. I agree. This movie's better than Point add, Break. When you add up those scores and divide by four, uh, Eddie, what does that give us? All right, guys, uh, that gives us a two point three seven five. No fucking shit, lady. Does that sound like I'm ordering a pizza? I love that when he, he says that when he calls. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a 2.375. So 2.375, where does that put us on the list of it, movies that we've reviewed? It ties us with uh, number... 11. No, number 12. 11. That's not, no, it's not 11 it's number anymore. number 12, yeah. You're right. Can you it's let tied. me do my shit? Tied. How is this movie better than fucking... Okay, Listen, all I know is that... That ties us up with number 12 with North by Northwest. Which is good because that was also a crappy movie. Just below Hocus Pocus. How is that? Uh, so it's How Hocus is Hocus Pocus better? So Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus is better than this. Hangover is worse. It's tied with North no. by Northwest. No. Yes. I feel a, like that's actually where it should be. No. I think it should be better than Hocus Pocus. I mean, I would, I would agree worse, with that. It's, it's, it's definitely than worse than Tombstone. It's definitely worse than Twilight. But I don't think it's better than Scream. It's certainly not better than It. And Point Break, you know, eh. I think <laughs> is Point you know, Break. And overall, you gotta look at this. Don't don't look at where it's at. Look at also the store. So it's an above average movie. Right. It's above it's average a, it movie. is above average movie, and, definitely. But it's not that yeah. far above average, so you should be happy about that. We still, we don't have a movie that's a four yet. We don't have a movie that's a four? No, no, not yet. Well, Let's we'll... do The Fountain. All right, if you've enjoyed the review or a fan of the podcast, we ask that you please. Little buzzing. Little buzzing. Subscribe wherever you're listening, and please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help the podcast grow. Next week, what do we have, Jeremy? Next week, we've got, I think, a, a bye week. We got to buy a week, but we also might have. Happy a, Thanksgiving. We might have a uh, a Christmas miracle, a Ooh, holiday miracle, a holiday Christmas miracle. So something that we've been kind of like, you know, uh, what did you say? An elf in the room that we we teasing we, we, along, yeah, teasing along about a certain movie that we've been grading, but we never actually released it. That's really a big well, claim let's, there. Let's see. Uh, let's let's see, let's see if we can we, do it before it actually we uh, promote. Got some it fish like out there. In the <laughs> sea. A lot of fishes out of the sea. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, if you're interested, you can please find us on Instagram at the dot podcast. Uh, <laughs> please visit our website at thegentlemanpodcast.com. We post the trailers and upcoming movies and all the pictures of the cocktails. We also do that on uh, the Instagram post every Friday. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so by email at hosts with an S at thegentlemanpodcast.com. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you at the top of Nakatomi Tower. Cheers, gentlemen. Yippee Kaye. Cheers. I can't believe you gave that a fucking four four and a half, yo. I should have given it a five. No. It was so bad. Not even, yo. It was horrible. Exactly. It was.